Hi, welcome to the Xbox World Podcast. Um, uh, I hope you're well and you hope you've had a nice February so far. And uh, I'm Tim Weaver, the editor. Uh, I'm Matthew Pellet, one of the staff writers. And I'm Michael Gapper, King of the World. And uh, it's been a while since uh, I've been on a podcast, so I apologise for my absence. Tim uh, has been uh, on a non-stop celebration since we got a bit of news last week. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I've been out on a on a, on a something of a. Um, well, actually, I've just been sitting at home like I normally do, to be honest. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, we we're the newly crowned uh, best-selling uh, independent uh, Xbox 360 magazine uh, by some four thousand nine hundred copies. So. Um, that makes us officially great, I think. And, and makes uh, our readers officially great yeah, as well. It, yeah, it makes you, you guys out there even better because you're the ones that are supporting us and we thank you very much for that. And if you've got friends that buy us and uh, aren't, don't listen to this podcast, pass on our thanks for them as well. I um, think, seriously speaking, over the last year or so, we've really, uh, we've really taken the magazine to you know, the next level. We've really, improved, we've really improved the content. I mean, it was always strong. I think we've taken it, made it even better. I think, I think we deserve it thorough, actually, Tim, don't you? Yeah, I do. And we've, uh, it's been a lot of work, and we've you know we've been shorthanded as well. But yeah, I mean we had we had Rob Taylor, and, and that was being shorthanded, and then he left, and we were better off after that. So <laughs> they well, was picked up straight. Yeah, away. That's yeah right. we're a stronger team the, for it. That's right. The success has really been off since he's left. It's kind of like in the movie when like you know you got the teen, the gang of like teenagers or something, they're going along, and there's this guy at the back, and he's like he's holding everyone back. He's like he's like freaking out. He's scared, and then this this, this mad stabber. Sticks a knife in that dude's back, drags him under the water, never seen again. The rest of the team get on just fine without him. That's right. Barely even notice he's not there. <laughs> exactly. So, um, yeah, we're going to uh, talk about the normal sort of stuff, games, and we'll probably end up talking about some other bits and bobs as well. I think Mike's got, Mike's got a special surprise for us later on. Um, <laughs> a little sweet surprise. surprise. It, it, oh, the... no, it's not. No, sorry. That's his other surprise. <laughs> it's, not, uh, it's not my surprise. It's a surprise courtesy of a reader who, unfortunately, his name I don't know, but he shouldn't worry about that because I sent him a box full of free stuff a week ago. Um, but first, Matt, give us a rundown of uh, the uh, issue that is on sale at the moment. We're on sale Tuesday, and uh, you should buy it now. Tell us what's in it. Issue 76, it's got Ooh, the, uh, the exclusive Resident Evil 5 review. The, uh, the shock verdict on 360's Most Wanted Game. Which uh, we'll talk about a little bit more in a minute. Is this podcast going up after that issue? Is this yeah. Pod- yeah. podcast up this Friday. Friday. We're recording yeah. this on Monday. The issue's out as we record it tomorrow. So people will have had the issue in their hands for three oh. days. So we can tell people little surprises. So we've got the Resi 5 review. That's obviously the, the, the big one in terms of pagination. But we've also got Street Fighter 4. Yeah. Which, uh, which Mike's been dishing out loads and loads of love to. Our highest scoring game of the issue. Which uh, actually, um, uh, Hoodie, and, Hoodie and I, we must confess... I must confess, our editor Hoodie and and, and I aren't. We don't really understand Street Fighter. I don't really, I don't really get the appeal. Oh, come on, Tim, how old are you? You must have been around when Street Fighter Two came. Uh, even out. when it was around first time, I was not. I you can't say. You were Nintendo was, Mag. They must. They, they must not have been... that. No, I'm not that old. <laughs> well, that was a bit after my time. <laughs> like. um, but uh, but yeah, we don't really get the appeal of it. But literally all day, every day, I hear all we can hear is Mike chatting to the guys on PSM and, and Pellet about uh, Street Fighter and, and games. Really, guys on Games Radar, guys on Games Master. Geraint Evans, Ed, um, Depp Head of Games Master, comes along. He's, he's playing, but all of PSM are playing. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, that was just uh, just to uh, fill people it, in. It on is that. the uh, the new hotness around the office. No question. Except uh, except. except around my desk really. yeah around your desk it's all a, it's a pezzo clock <laughs> yeah all it's, day every day it's the new coldness <laughs> what else we got Matt uh, we've got a, a lovely little feature by Mike which is uh, the holiday in Xbox world where uh, I think it uh, actually goes back to a question we had months and months ago on the podcast you know what game worlds would you like to 
to live in, visit, yeah. inspired by that. And all this sort of comes out of our sort of conversations Matt and I have had, which is essentially we found that in the way we review games, we both look for the same thing without ever realizing we were looking for the same thing, which is like a really, really good world to be in. And a lot of people didn't like Assassin's Creed. Matt and I loved it. And Matt reviewed it for us, of course, and gave it, was it 91? 90. 90, 90, a flat 90, um, which is an incredible score and a score I happen to agree with. But at the same time, I can also understand the people who were saying, you know, well, it's, actually, the missions are a bit crap and, you know, the actual assassinations aren't very good. And you, can, you, can, you hear all that stuff and you can say, yeah, you know, that, those are fair arguments. But for me, the strength of the world and the way you explored it was so much better. And mm. I think that was true for you as well, Matt. Definitely. I mean, I think I played it three times in the end for, for review and I think I did a guide afterwards as well. And uh, every time I played through it, I found different things about the world. It was constantly surprising me. Uh, the, the last time I played it through, I did... Um, you can do like submissions. You need to get a certain amount of information before you can make a kill. Uh, and most people will get the, the bare minimum and then go make a kill. The last time I actually got every single submission. And I, I just uncovered a lot of variety that I didn't even know was in the game initially. So, um, so yeah, definitely. I think whenever we play games, I think that's why we both really like Far Cry 2. Mm. Just the world that you're in is yeah. absolutely amazing. So for this feature, this picks sort of five or six. It's, it's, I mean, it's essentially it's a feature about you know some of the best level design on the 360. It's a, it's five or six of the best places to visit on the 360. Places you get places you can go to, in games and just treat almost like a holiday destination. You just go there and just just be in that world, and just enjoy being there. We're not necessarily shooting things, although you know if there's things to shoot, so much the better. Anyway, we won't we won't spoil too much of the issue because it's a it's a really good issue. And also, you know, although we'll talk a little bit about Resi, uh, we won't spoil too much of the review. Just in case you're listening to this and you haven't seen the review yet, and Matt's review really is is worth uh, seeking out. Um, but yeah, we'll talk a little bit about Resi now because I mean, some some people will have seen the issue, and and um, and you know, some people would have. A lot of people would have played the demo, and there's been a kind of, I'm sure, I don't know whether you guys talked about it in the last podcast, but there's been a, quite a lot of, uh, you know, sort of negative reaction to, um, to, to the no, demo. No, it didn't come up. So, yeah, there's been a, quite a negative reaction online to the demo. People feel that it's a little bit underwhelming, and I think that a lot of the, uh, the sort of gist of people's conversations online were that, um, yeah, <laughs> it's, a bit, it's a bit disappointing, but hopefully it'll pick up in the game. Just to interject for a second, remember the demo of Resident Evil 4 that came out before the release of Resident Evil Resi 4 on the GameCube, shipped out in Japan, I think you could just pick it up cheaply or it was on uh, cover mounts, I forget, but you could pick up this demo and it was the entire opening of the game where you, uh, you enter the village and you, know, you get chased through the village by the guy with the chainsaw and so on, which by anyone's estimation is you know, one of the best gaming moments ever. So for people to be disappointed by the demo, people, you know, people saying, what well, is just a demo? Well, think how good Resi 4's demo was. And perhaps it is, you know, perhaps people are fair to be judging it based on the demo. Mm. Yeah, and I, and I think Matt, you know, I mean, um, Matt's played it more than, than, than any of us. I mean, I think we all kind of expected it. You know, we'd all sort of seen the demo. I think we got the code in around about the time the demo hit, actually. Yes. But... Um, but we'd uh, we'd obviously played levels at various shows and that sort of stuff, and and we always came back from the, those shows with a kind of well, it's sort of heading in the right direction. There's a few niggles and you know this, that, and the other. But I think if they get it, you know, this is the people who made Resi Four, one of the greatest games of last generation. They surely can't, you know, they can't. That can't be it. Um. But is it really? I mean, that is that is Resi Five, really, isn't it? Yeah. Well, first of all, I, I want to say uh, 
we went on our website this morning and uh, somebody called me, what did he call me, an idiot? Well, mm. he said you're an idiot. Or so, moron, dear reviewer, you are an idiot. So from now on, your name is Reviewer. Yeah, yeah so, so I'm, I'm an <laughs> idiot because um, I, I revealed the fact that it took me seven hours, 36 minutes and one second. Take breath to, uh, to finish the game. That doesn't include cutscenes. I will stress that point. And there um, are a lot of them. We're not, we're not talking Metal Gear Solid levels, but we are talking more than previous Resident Evils. So it took me that long to finish the game, and some guy called me an idiot because apparently that's the, the code that every magazine got was uh, was just three acts long, mm. and uh, and is, I only did half the game, which <laughs> is utterly utterly inaccurate. Yeah, because uh, because we got we had the exclusive review, we got the finished game, and that's what Matt played. Yeah, so I finished the game, and I'm sorry to disappoint you, but it did take me that long. That's on my first playthrough. Yeah. I've also seen it suggested on forums that I sprinted through to try and. Take, uh, to try and get the game finished for review. Not the case. I've played the game three times now. Yeah, um, Matt, Matt has been playing that game at home and at work, uh, and, and, and in co-op with me. I mean, everyone knows I'm a big Resi fan, so I took it home. You know, I, I played it over a weekend. I, I sat down with it, took my time. Um, really the way basically someone would play it if they picked up in a shop. Exactly. The only difference is you didn't plonk down the cash for it. Um, so yeah, seven and a half hours. In subsequent playthroughs, that time has gone down and gone down quite a lot. I would say I've... I've and that's, that's near, fair near as well, though. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because yeah, like Resident Evil 4 on your first playthrough probably would take 20 hours. But you can easily get it down to 12, then maybe down to 9 on your next one. I mean, I think the fastest times are like up around 2, 3 hours or something. So it's fair to say you, know, you, would, you would chip it down, but your starting time was 7 hours. So it's yeah. a brief game. So it's brief, and I think what I said in the review was that because it's so short, obviously the content of, mm. of the game is doubly important. <clears throat> well... I think it's totally fair to to judge a lot of it on the demo because the game is is just like the demo. I think the demo parts of the game are perhaps towards the better areas. Yeah, we should probably well. point out here that we're not going to spoil the game for anyone. This this is going to be entirely spoiler-free yep. discussion of Resident Evil. As is the review. Anyone, as is the review, yeah. Anyone wanting to pick up the review, I mean, I'm a big spoiler baby. I know that Mike likes to rip it out of me all the time. Yeah, I, I like do not like to like drop spoilers. the big spoilers, but on this one, I'll keep my lips. So um, so the review, Button. it doesn't reveal any any of the bosses, really, anything that goes happen plot-wise. Um, I think... I played it through first time, and I think I was I was really quite disappointed, both on just you know gaming front and as a huge Resident Evil fan. And the score that I started out with, it was it was it was lower than what it finished at because it wasn't until the second and third playthrough that that you really get into Resi. If you play it with a second player, it's much much better. And it's when you start unlocking obviously like the infinite ammo weapons and all of the other unlocks that you, you get by completing the game and by shooting all 30 of the blue BSA A tokens, which are like the blue medallions in Resi 4, that you start unlocking more and more content in the game. And that's really where it comes into its own. But for a first playthrough, it's, it, it, it's good, but on Resident Evil 4 standards. Yeah. And this is what we're comparing Even it to. Even Dead Space standards. Yeah, yeah. Well, if we compare it to the game of the last generation... And one of the best action games of this generation, which is Dead Space, I think it does fall down slightly. Dead Compared Space to is like else, a, is a real Frankenstein's monster of a game as well, Dead Space. It's like the best bits from lots of different places. Yeah. Whereas Resident Evil 5 is almost like the best bits of Resident Evil 4 and some other stuff. Yeah. yeah. But the other stuff that's not particularly well done, at least with Dead Space, like they ripped off a load of... Resi, Resi, five, uh, Resi 4's ideas but they, they really implemented them well and, and then they ripped off a load of other really good ideas from other games as well yeah. whereas, it's, whereas Resi 5 is kind of taking a load of stuff from Resi 4 and then 
almost taking stuff from like crap like Area 51. Yeah. You know, like lots of on-rail sequences and so on. It's yeah. like that's, that's to me isn't A isn't in the spirit of Resident Evil and isn't that much fun anyway. I'll tell you what my, my sort of I mean I haven't played it I've only watched it over Matt's shoulder but um, but I've watched quite a lot of it over Matt's shoulder but one of the impressions I got was that the game really was I don't I suppose it was always true of the Resi games certainly the latter ones but but he never really thought about it but with Resi 5 it really seemed stark to me was that they seemed to really be shoehorning in a lot of like western game ideas definitely you know and and they just don't work within that blueprint well they, it makes sense for them to do that i mean capcom's market is like very much on the room on 360 and that's very much a western console their audience is hugely western uh when you look at dead rising that was like a, almost a very western game but it was mixed with a lot of crazy japanese design things like the save system yeah. and so on these are things which are very much you know something that only only japanese developers would ever be able to sell to their superiors you know so They've been making games like Lost Planet as well. Game was you know a, a big game in the West on the 360. It wasn't it wasn't nearly so big in Japan. So I think they understand their market well. It does make sense to to you know appeal to the European and American markets. It's a much larger market than just Japan on its own. But as you say, these are conventions that have been forced in, whether they be long there or not. Mm. Is co-op necessarily a good thing in Resident Evil? Well, it kind of worked an outbreak. You know, you get these, you get a group of people, and you make them survive against like this unending horde. But to be honest, the best co-op Resident Evil game ever is Left 4 Dead. You know, it's 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 all yeah. it's, that's, that's a great game. It's just a great straight survival game. To take the shape and structure of Resident Evil Four and turn it into a co-op game, rather than just a straight okay, you know, I'm protecting this this person with me, is um a, a real big shift, mm. and I can't say it's for the better. And of course, there's stuff like the cover system as well, which you know was used so effectively in, in Gears of War and its sequel. But here feels amateur, almost well, amateur. It's very amateur. It's worth pointing out. It is actually a bogus cover system. In Gears of War, basically, you can lock to any cover that's been it's been designed to be cover. So you know you can't just lock to a wall when you're walking inside it because it's just a, a you know just, let's say the border of the level. But if there's a block in front of you, you can lock to it. You can lock to any side of it and from any direction. You can just lock to it. In Resi 5, it's as if they've applied hotspots to things. So you can't lock anywhere, but there are hotspots littered around the environment where when you get there, you'll be given the option to interact, and your interaction in that case is to lock to cover. But say, for example, you come to some sandbags, the hotspot will be on one side of the cover, but not the other. So it feels very bogus, very yeah. phony, and it, very very cardboard, you know, very flimsy. It, it is, I think it's done... It's extremely lazy how the cover system's put into it. It's only... Um, like a box or a or a wall with uh, with like red and white stripes on the corner that you can that you can hotspot you can lock to that hotspot, and it's only in the uh, latter two apps that it ever really appears. Like it happens once quite early on, and then a second time, and then you don't really use cover at all until the end of the game, and then it's every single room. Mm. It's just cover, cover, cover. It's it certainly doesn't fit Resident Evil mold. It doesn't play well to Resident Evil strengths. The other Western influences, I think co-op works well in it, mainly because AI Sheva doesn't work that well. Exactly, that's the thing. <laughs> it's like co-op works like really nice. Because I mean, the alternative it, is just As it does simple. in most games, but you say, it's the difference between playing with a person who can actually play and playing with Little Miss Bullet Sponge, mm. who just wanders blindly into every situation, gets herself taken to pieces, and 
is generally completely useless. I mean, Matt and I together were going through boss fights, which alone would have taken him three or four times as long, just because we could coordinate. And so many of the fights in the game were designed for two people. One person hits a switch, one other person does something else. One person restrains his, his boss while the other person sort of takes out his, his weak spots or so on. This is like, you know, a fundamental part of the game, but you cannot get AI Sheva to do that. You can't tell her to go and do something as complicated as that. Yeah. You can get her to stand in one place, sure, but you can't get her to do anything complicated. Yeah, the Western influence, the uh, the checkpoint system, the act system. Actually, I was quite I was quite hostile when I found out that they ditched the typewriters, but I do think it works in Resi 5's favour. It really works as a uh, as a speed running game, which is what a lot of fans how they play Resident Evil 4 in the end. You know, they play it like 20, 30 times, just mm. trying to complete it as fast as possible. And I think the game really works as you can hop. Um, to any act or any subchapter of any act you want to and just play that little nugget through however long it may take you 20, 30 minutes first time through maybe 5, 10 minutes when you when you get your strategy right um, I think it really plays to the strengths especially when you combine that with leaderboards to find you know overall times for game completion and uh, each each time that you do each sorry each difficulty that you play it through you get a, a different time set so you've got one for amateur one for um, normal one for veteran and I'm pretty sure there's professional tucked away in there somewhere as well. I think it's just a, I mean, you know, I mean, the, the disappointment we feel over over Resi really is a kind of the disappointment we felt about Japanese game development uh, as a whole. You know, yeah, in over general. the past uh, couple of years, I mean, it's and many really Japanese developers are coming out and speaking out on this in particular and saying, you know, we are we are in danger of losing it. We are in danger of losing what we had. I mean, it used to be. You're an old SNES boy, Tim. Back in the day, you know, you'd only play Japanese games. Pretty much that's all you'd, that's all you'd be playing because they were the best in the world. Absolutely, yeah. They were ones which innovated, they were ones which pushed the boundaries, they were ones which you know, really changed things. I mean, if there was, was a new idea, it would have come from Japan. Yeah, and I don't think it was even SNES Day. I mean, even like N64 days, I mean, some of those games on, on the uh, Nintendo were incredible. And the PlayStation as well. It's like yeah, you know, the Nintendo PlayStation, PlayStation Saturn, all three had like some of the best games around. You know, look as recently as PlayStation Two time. We in Japan was still was still you know such a major player. Team Ico or Eco? Yeah, well, Team Eco, like the Eco team, um, Uedas team on the PlayStation Three are still going to be producing something spectacular for the PS Three, no doubt. But his his team is one of the few which is being brave. You know, Kojima's often held up as being brave, but honestly, he hasn't really changed the template. It changes the you know the, the position of the camera and always adds to Metal Gear, but often adds in the wrong directions. Often adds in the wrong way and. I mean, Kojima is one of the voices who has, who has come out and said, you know, it, it is a real concern the way Japanese game design has gone that the West is so much, so much stronger now, so much mm. more innovative. Is this one? And I almost wonder how Japan's going to react to Resident Evil Five, because yeah. to me it does seem like a game designed for the West. Yeah. Um, no one in Japan's going to play that game in co-op. Nobody. Mm. I mean, it's just not going to happen. You maybe get you know one or two people here and there, but it's not co-op isn't a feature the Japanese are crying out for. It really isn't. Bear in mind, this is a. This is from the nation which produced PlayStation's original online network before it got updated and patched over time, where there were no unified friends lists and so on, because the Japanese gamer doesn't really consider it important to be able to invite someone who's playing a different game, because as I understand it, and this may be incorrect, but as I understand it, it's actually considered fairly rude to be sending someone an invite. Uh, it's just a cultural difference. It's just considered it's fairly rude to be sending someone an invite to a game they're not currently playing, because maybe they're enjoying themselves doing something else. And... Online play isn't considered you know, as, as vital a feature as it is over here. And to me, the entire game, Resident Evil 5, is built around online play. Mm. It really is built around online play first and solo play second. To play that game alone, 
is something I will never do because it's not an enjoyable game alone. It's too frustrating. I think it'll it'll I think Resi, you know, looking at the broader picture, Resi will do will do well um sales wise, whatever. But I agree, I think in Japan it'll be a funny mix. And I think the Japanese reviewers out there will give it eights and nines because that's just what Japanese reviews do. Mm. But I think, you know, um when it gets into into Japanese homes, that you're right, it will be interesting to see how they 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 react to it, and it'll also be interesting to see how it sits in the, in the Western world. You know, I mean, I think there's going to be an awful lot of people like Matt, you know, who are massive massive fans of the series, who are going to look at this and think, is that it? But it is worth pointing out that Matt, when he sat down to it, he was like, okay, you know, this isn't Resident Evil the way I know it, but he didn't sit there saying, okay, because it's not the way I know it, I don't like it. Mm-mm. The guy sat there and played it over and over, and you know, found found the good in it. And the, what I think is critical is like it took some digging to find the good in it. And I think there'll definitely be a, a big backlash to start off with, but when people start playing it through again, like I did, I mean, three times in, I'm still going through. I haven't yet done it on veteran. I've done it on normal twice, and I, I, I stuck it on amateur the last time just to get a guide uh, banged out as well. Um, I think one of the th- wor- one of the worst things that could have happened in 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 for us and for the Americans is Dead Space, you know, because a lot of people have come up and said. I've just started playing Dead Space. All the time in the office, we get people passing through, like PR people came, a PR person came down last week and said, I've just started playing Dead Space. Yeah. Wow, that game is brilliant. It really does happen a lot. No, because so few people play that game on release. Yeah. They didn't, either they didn't get enough copies out into the wild or it just wasn't hyped enough. I mean, I know, I know a lot of EA's big games, we're going to talk about this a little bit later when I mention Need for Speed Shift. EA took a lot of risks last year, big risks, Facebreaker and uh, Dead Space, Mirror's Edge. Boom blocks. Boomblocks and all of these games absolutely bombed for them. I mean, Dead Space went into the charts at number six, I believe, and then we just went down from there. I mean, it's not as bad as Mirror's Edge, which went in number number twenty seven and went down mm-hmm. from there. But this is, I mean, Dead Space is such a such a strong game. Like I say, a Frankenstein's monster of a game where it's all the best bits taken from a dozen different places, mashed together in this really interesting sci-fi world. Mm. And what they made works so well and is so strong and really does set the standard for that kind of game on on the current gen consoles. I think we can get away with not calling it next gen anymore. Mm. And I just think that, you know, for a lot of people, that is going to spoil Resi 5 because, I mean, Resi 5, I mean, Dead Space is, you know, for anyone who's played Resi 4 will be, you're very reminiscent of Resi 4, but it's it's kind of like, like we touched on earlier, it's kind of pushed it on a little bit and for people playing Resi 5, it's going to be, Mm. This is all right, but it's not as good as Dead Space. And who would have thought that? You know, I, know. I mean, who would have thought that the EA, an EA game, mm-hmm. would be from the guys who made Harry Potter? Exactly. You know, the people who churn out sports games year mm. after year after year are making a game that is better than Resi Five. But thankfully, that's where uh, Resi Five's repeat playthroughs yeah. really stand out. Like Dead Space, once you finish that game, okay, you unlock Impossible Mode, but basically, you've you've done everything, you've seen everything that game has to offer. With Resi 5, just finishing it is just part of the chapter of the Resi 5 story. There are um, lots of unlocks. There might be another mode. We can't really say. But anyway, yeah, Resi 5. So so that's that's our, our summon up of Resi 5. Talking of Dead Space, what's our initial impressions of Dante's Inferno then? The new game from the de- Dead Space team. Don't Toilet. like it? Nah, yeah. I'm not interested. I'm reading the Divine Comedy right now, actually. Oh, pellet. Just to, just to get in the mood. Dan, that, that gets you in the mood for nothing, just, doesn't it? Just to get you in the mood, I thought I'd read a 700-year-old poem entirely <laughs> written in Latin with over 11,000 lines. Um, I, uh, That's good knowledge, Tim. I'm kind of disappointed that uh, that brilliant, brilliant team is trying to make another 
uh, Ninja Gaiden, essentially. No, God of War more than anything. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, God I of mean, War. I mean, taking us, taking like uh, you know the, the, uh, all these myths, and in this case, obviously, you know, like Christian myths and so on, rather than Greek ones. It's kind of taking all this thing and like building this like really violent, you know, beat them up around it. Well, that's like a great idea, but oh, shit, I don't know. We we like God of War does, does it plenty well enough. Devil May Cry and Ninja Gaiden on the 360 both scratch the um the the combo heavy action game itch quite nicely. I'm not sure I need another one, to be honest. The one thing I will say about it is, if they do as good a job aping God of War as they did aping Resi 4, maybe it'll be all right. Because we're never going to get God of War. That's so, you know, so, I mean, if they can deliver a God of War... It's better than Ninja Blade, let's say that. Yeah, that's right. I do think, though, with that, that is... The thing with God of War is it deals with myths that we're all quite familiar with, yeah. you know, through TV and all that sort of stuff, whereas the Divine Comedy is... Yeah, Judas Iscariot frozen in ice. Exactly, it's, like, it's not... It's not exactly uh, for the masses, is it? But um, but there you go. I mean, that's uh, the crazy decision-making. Yeah, like we were and saying, a massive... Dante's had a bit of a transformation as well. He's, yeah, he's, he's not quite the Dante I am. Uh, no, he's not some, fa- not some fey Italian uh, poet from the 13th century anymore. <laughs> no, that guy's dish- that guy dishes it out combo style. It's... Um, yeah, it's very strange. I mean, it's like, it's like Michael, I think you might be saying, like EA or has taken some massive, massive risks. And this is another one, really. I mean... A game based on a 700-year-old poem. Who would have thought, eh? So from one other risk to a, to a, a series at EA of... I don't, I don't think we've been huge fans of it in the past. <laughs> I would say it's been milked in the past. But Need for Speed, Mike. It's, it's, it's uh, been milked it's until, that, until that teat is raw. That teat is, is redder than... Well... Stand that something. there. Yeah, stand that there. Did something red. Look, Need for Speed is the series where... The three of us, awesome squad, go running at the punter while he's picking it off the shelf, jumping through the air in slow motion, screaming, no! And, you know, you're a... It's, it's kind of... We can't talk too much about it because we are embargoed until the beginning of March. So we can't really say a great deal about it. But Need for Speed is swinging in three different directions. It's kind of a cart-style game for the Wii. There's a kind of test of unlimited style, massively multiplayer one they're working on, which you haven't seen yet. And then there's Need for Speed Shift, which is a brave title for all kinds of reasons. Yeah. At least of which is that you know, with a with a quick scribble of a sharpie, you can you can modify that name pretty good. Um, it's a very different game. It's made by the guys at Slightly Mad, who were spawned from Simbin, the guys who did Race Pro. But this is essentially Race Pro with EA money. And again, I can't say a great deal about it, unfortunately, and I really would like to, but we have played it and it is. It is, what, what we played was running at a nice frame rate and it's very complete but we're just looking at two tracks and like a handful of cars at this point and it really does play like Race Pro with EA Money which is to say it feels great the handling is impeccable feels really nice and the game looks magnificent I mean it look, the, graphically it's above Forza probably slightly below Project Gotham but well above Forza and I can't really tell you much more than that, I'm afraid. I think we can just say that it, is, it surprised us it's a, a lot. It's a, well, the big surprise is that how brave it is. As I say, EA took all of these risks last year, all of these gambles, and to be honest, none of them paid off. And it'd be a shame if this... In terms of sales, anyway. In terms of sales. Yeah. In, t- if in this game, it would be a real shame if the same thing were to happen because this might be the first Need for Speed in a very long time. It's really worthy of the name. Mm. They've been really brave, taking the series in a very, very different direction. This will be essentially be the flagship Need for Speed this year. This will be the big Christmas Need for Speed. And it's a straight-up simulation. 
I think we can give people an idea of, of, of what it's like simply by saying that we reviewed Race Pro in the, I think it was this issue, wasn't it? Resi it was, 5 issue, yes. yeah, and we gave it 80. And one of the criticisms, well, the main criticism of Race Pro really, is that it looks so drab. It's and so, so stark. And so boring. Every menu, stark. Yeah. Every track, stark. It's a very bleak, kind of very PC-centric game. Feels great, though. So, by that token, if you can apply how good Race Pro feels and how perfect the handling is, and then add in the sort of pizzazz that EA does, I think you can kind of get where this is going, i.e. Need for Speed Shift, like Mike says, could actually be a really, really good racing game. When I played it, it didn't feel to me like the studio doing it. Slightly mad, formerly blimey games. Formerly... Part of Simbin, essentially. It's a good name, isn't it? <laughs> it's good, this, isn't uh, it? this studio, it didn't feel to me as though they compromised who they are and what they make to concede to something that EA would be asking of them, something more arcadey, something less sim-heavy. This thing felt like a sim, and I've written a thing on it, but unfortunately you don't get to read it until the next issue Yeah. because, again, we are embargoed until early March on this one. So talking of talking of developers, who would have thunk, eh, that uh, that um, Dead Rising Two would go to a, a developer uh, who renowned for their baseball games? Capcom farm out crazy stuff to crazy people. I swear they they are they are. I mean, Better My Street Fighter Four was made by a separate team outside of Capcom in Japan, mm. uh, with guidance from inside Capcom. And I think this is a new thing Capcom have really pioneered from Japanese developers is taking decent third parties who aren't necessarily known for what they're doing, and then giving them really close guidance every inch of the way. Almost in a way that Rare worked with yeah, Nintendo back in the day, where right? Nintendo yeah. were like always there. Whenever Rare had any problem, Nintendo were there. Whenever Rare had like you know some ideas, Nintendo were there saying, well, maybe this, maybe that, you know? And that's what happened with Street Fighter Four, which is a game where I'm playing well. No, as he's it, playing oh, it right now, non-stop. As, as if it were my, my drug. And yeah, I think I'm playing in my head right now. I'm talking to you guys, but in my head, it's just like... Five or five or five. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they've, they've got this you know, studio outside of Capcom, just a, a short way down the road, former Capcom staffers. And they're constantly talking to them every day. They've got a guy from inside Capcom working with them. Then they've got this studio, which is literally on the other side of the world. In in Canada, I think it is. Yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, yeah. which is actually quite close to Japan. If you and they got the one, map. and they got one that's halfway around the world as well, which is Grin. Yeah, both doing games for them, and I would imagine it's a very similar relationship. I mean, it's a hell of a commute. Yeah, but I'm sure they're they're working their way around that. See now, Grin, I can uh, Grin aren't before they got before they got Bionic Commander and Terminator and stuff. They weren't particularly well known, but they did have some sort they of. They had heritage. the Graw ports. They, they did for the Graw ports. The PC, for PC. Well, they weren't ports. They were completely unique games. Okay. So they did grow on PC and did made a good job of them as well, but this Blue Castle mob who are doing uh, Dead Dead Rising Two, I mean they've done the bigs. I mean the bigs was re- well received, but not yeah, something but that mean, we. Uh... But I mean it's a hell of a leap to go from the bigs baseball game to Dead Rising Two. I mean, yeah. grow to Barnet Commando is not a massive leap. You know, whereas whereas well, at the same time, within the same studio, they make Sean White snowboarding. They make Rainbow Six. That's true. It is true. But so I suppose you're right. But it just seems like a of all the developers, all well, the sort it, of second tier developers you, yeah, they could have were, chosen. If you were going to farm something out, it, I mean, if it's an in-house thing, you could say, look, we've got this really good team. They made I don't know Rainbow Six. 
let's get them on Prince of Persia. We got they're sitting around. You know, it's, it's a very different game, but they're sitting around. They're not doing anything. So let's get them doing that. But to say we got this big franchise, we need to farm it out. We need the right man for the job. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know who we need. <laughs> well, I played this amazing baseball game. <laughs> exactly. It was really good. I, it was really fun. I mean, I love baseball in Japan. He's like, man, I tell you what, those are the guys for the job. Yeah. And they farm out to the guys who did the bigs. It's a strange. It's, it's a don't strange forget, story. you could pick up a, a baseball bat in, uh, in the first one and, and hit zombies. Maybe they just wanted to make <laughs> yeah. that, that one is, mini game brilliant. It is, it is a hell of a leap of faith. And, and also, I mean, it's not, it's, not, I, it's not overstating it to say that Dead Rising 2 is one of the biggest games of the year in terms of the expectation for it. I think so, yeah. You know, and to give Dead it, Rising was, in, in the 360's first year, one of the biggest Yeah, it's sort of a million copies. You know, so it's, like, <coughs> it's a massive franchise, even two games in. And... Um, yeah, I just, I mean, the rumour was they'd given it to these guys ages ago, so it's not like it comes totally from left field, but I mean, if you didn't know about it, it would be like something coming from left field and smashing you in the face, and then kicking you while you're down. Yeah. I mean, the bigs to Dead Rising 2, I mean, it seems crazy. Anyway, you know, um, I guess it's, we'll it's, see It's good, good news for our studio, though, I mean, to go, yeah. to go from that to, to this, to basically one of the biggest games on the 360. Yeah. And of course, it's multi-format this time as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They can... I mean, after this, they can be, it's like if, they, if they nail it, they can basically call their own shots from yeah, there on. Exactly. You know, they'll be one of the biggest studios in Canada all of a sudden. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. It's, it really is. So we're expecting to see something on that maybe in the next couple of months. But um, but for the time being, we've just got the a couple of, you know, a few screenshots and a, a barest sliver of information to go on. But um, Matt has been uh, has been investigating the uh, Dead Rising 2 uh, um well, initial kind of announcement, and uh, we'll have something more in the. Uh, have a few secrets. Three secrets, and then in our March the seventeenth. Thing is, normally issue. when I when we're investigating, like you know, a direction a series is going to take. For example, in a in a recent issue, we did a feature on the Halo games, where they've been and where they're going. Normally, what I'll do is I'll sit there and I'll look at who's working at the studio, the pedigree of the studio, and who they pillaged from elsewhere. For example, Microsoft for their new Halo studio, they've they've got Ryan Payton from Kojima Studios. They've got uh, someone from Gearbox. They've got different people from different places. These are all, you know, really bankable names. You can sort of you can look at what they've made before and consider the direction they'd be going with the series. You know, if you've got a certain guy leading up a certain game, you can safely assume they've brought him on for a reason, and you can look at the things he's worked on and really, really, and make educated guesses and really, you know, they 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 stop being guesses at that point. You you draw upon you know what you know about them and you you build a profile of where the series is going to go. You just can't do that with, with Dead no. Rising 2. You just can't. It's, it's one of these games that's so, so, so unusual. You know, the first game was a wacky thing anyway. It's a real mishmash of crazy nonsense. So to hand it over to a studio that makes baseball games, it's not that weird, really. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's, not, it's not so yeah. crazy. So um, very quickly, from one zombie game to another... Uh, it, it's just worth pointing out the warning now. Uh, last week there was a there was a lovely game called Shellshock Two Blood Trails, made by Rebellion, are, great studio. We like them a lot. That was uh, squeezed into stores. Um, don't buy it, kids. No, don't avoid it. Run no. away screaming. Rebellion made two of my favorite games on the Xbox: Sniper Elite and Rogue Trooper. Two great games. They also made Aliens vs Predator back in the day, and they're making a new Aliens vs Predator. Predator. These are all this is like exciting news because I'll actually have a budget to play with. Yeah, seems to me like Shell Shock Two is made by 
I don't know, a couple of programmers and the dude making a tea. Yeah. <laughs> on, I'll, on you know, pocket money. I'll put it into perspective. I was playing it last night. Um, I'm hov- <laughs> Yeah, I'm that sad. Yeah, Matt, Matt is playing it to com- for completion on the hardest difficulty setting. It is worth saying that. There, there are 10 chapters. I'm halfway through the ninth chapter. Uh, I turned it off, actually, because I was going to watch a film in the end that, that was more interesting than what that. What did you watch? Uh, Final Destination 3, which is far more interesting. Uh, is that the one with the sunbeds, where the sunbeds yeah, close yeah, yeah, on the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. That, what happens? I haven't seen Final Destination 3. Uh, it's, it's, uh, the first one's airplane, second one's road accident, accident, and the third yeah. one's fun, uh, roller coaster roller accident. Hmm. It's Guffo, it's El Gufferino. It does, I... Uh, uh, I'll talk about it another time. I can, I can have a big old rant we'll get, about We'll, get, ba- we'll get back to Final series. Destination later. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I was playing it last night, just to finish it off. I'm playing it on a hard, because when I finish it on a hard... I'll get like 400 achievement points and all will be rosy in the world. And, uh, and my missus walked in and she looked at the screen and she looked at me and she looked at the screen again. She's like, and then she left you. <laughs> and she said, <laughs> and she you're, not, me. you're not who I'm engaged to. <laughs> she was like, is this something you've downloaded off Xbox Live Arcade? It's really rough. I'm like, no, this is a shot shot to that, that full price game that came out last week. Yeah. And she um, was quite shocked. Pure ass in that, that game. Pure ass. But, uh, but yeah, it's it's a shame, really. I mean, because Rebellion... I mean, the thing is, when it came in, actually, everyone was like, oh, we'll have, have a look at this. Cause Rebellion we, and the Master of the Sleeper hit. That's right, because like Mike says, Rogue Trooper on Xbox was really, really, really seriously good. And no one bought it. Like, five people bought it. Yeah. I mean, literally no it's one bought it. Back to get re-released on the Wii. That's a good version as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, so we were kind of like, in a weird way, kind of quite excited about uh, Shellshock, because mm. we thought, you know, no, there's been no PR. Normally... When there's no PR and no buzz about it, it means the game's going to be Chateaula. Yeah, and they're but, trying to hide but it. Bugging Rebellion are the secret best developer in the UK. That's right. So, so yeah, but anyway, no, it's turned out to be rubbish. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, so sorry, sorry about that. Title revoked. Sorry about that. But, um, Speaking of weird reactions upon seeing Matthew Pellet, I got on the bus the other <laughs> week. I was, I was on the bus the other week, and, you know, it's, unfortunately, I've been forced to take public transport by the, the snow and so on because the Bristol to Bath cycle track has been literally turned to an ice rink. You know, when they say, like, Oh, it's just like an ice rink out there, and it never is. No, this. I got onto the track and instantly slid sideways yeah, and just went, went and ended up flat on my ass. So I've been, um, I've been taking the bus. So I was on a bus, and a girl who got on, who looked just like Matthew Pellet. What? And I mean, she looked the spitting image, right down to the curly hair, which you don't have right I've now. I've shaved it all off. Well, now. when you had the curly hair, she looked like that. And she looks exactly like you. I can't say she was a good-looking girl. No. Did she like, have the stubble as well? Like, and here's, got here's the stubble palette. What are you talking about? I'm you haven't not, even started shaving yet. I'm not saying I'm not saying Matt's not a handsome man. I think he's thoroughly attractive. I, I wouldn't, but you know, maybe you would. But what I'm saying is, imagine a girl that looks like Matthew Pellet. That's not a strong-looking no. woman. It's weird when you see like a girl version of of a bloke, isn't it? I've, I've <laughs> there's a girl version of one of my friends who lives in Bath, and it is frightening. Yeah, there's a girl version of, uh, of a magazine editor we know as well. Yeah, there is, and 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 she is frightening. She like, is, she looks. It, there's exactly a magazine. There like is a magazine it. editor of a prominent magazine, and there's a girl we know who looks the spit exactly the like, absolute spit image of him it, exactly like him. But shit, the weird thing is, I find myself looking at her thinking, she's quite attractive. Yeah, she's a pretty girl. You know, and I was thinking, does that mean that she's she's like a bit manly, or does that mean that he's a bit feminine? I think it's more he's a bit feminine. I think it's the latter. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Anyway, we better better move on quickly. They just that's Dangerous right. Yeah. So tell us about Final Destination Three then, uh, Pellet. Well, what I was going to say is uh, that I <laughs> I got a bit sleepy, so I had to turn it off. 
and I'm watching the rest of it tonight. But what I don't understand so far, it might be explained later on in the film, um, is that the whole the whole accident ha- happened when there was there was this pervy guy with a video camcorder trying to get footage of the two girls in front, and uh, when they're going over a loop the loop, he dropped the camcorder, which fell down and wrapped itself around a bottom track, and the roller coaster then ran it over, and that's kind of like part of what sparked the whole uh, the whole crash. However, he got off the roller coaster after the the main woman had her premonition, so therefore that didn't happen. So I'm not quite sure how the crash. To be honest, I, I can't remember because I raised the entire film apart from the scene where those two hot women go into the sun, sunbed. Apart from that... What I, happens then? They go into the sunbed, strip off, get on the sunbed. One of them gets trapped in the sunbed. Or both of them do. Well, that's where I am now. I'll tell oh, you right. I can't remember scene. anyway. One of them gets trapped in the sunbed. Or maybe both of them do. Anyway. They fry like bacon. Yeah, sexy bacon. That, that sexy bacon. The sexy bacon and eggs, isn't it? <laughs> A couple of eggs. Right. Um, <laughs> what... Uh, <laughs> what have we got there, Mike? What you got there? What have I got here? Well, yeah. Actually, very quickly, I'll tell you what. Final Destination 3, the DVD, you can pick how people die. And you can pick who dies. Yeah, that's say. interactive. Apparently, apparently, you can do it so that like, a minute in, they all walk away, and it's the end of the film. Really? Yeah, yeah so that's quite it's good. totally interactive. So I'm just watching the theatrical version. Oh, I'll but tell you what I gonna... watched on the weekend. I'm a big, big, big fan of Anchorman. You guys like Anchorman? I've only, so it's, it's a decent flick. I've only yeah. seen it once. I thought it was massively overrated. <laughs> okay, but I've got a feeling like the more you watch it, the Fair enough. The yeah, a lot of people don't like it. I personally thought it was hilarious. The, the cameos alone in the fight scene are yeah. strong. I thought it was hilarious. But I bought uh, a couple of weeks ago in, uh, in a Zavi sale, fire sale at Zavi, um, was a two a three disc box set with Anchorman. It had the lost Ron Burgundy film on it, which is basically like a um, an hour and a half film that was kind of filmed alongside the original Anchorman, but from um, basically it's put together from uh, unused footage, you know, stuff that had kind of. So they've constructed a story from it. Um, bearing in mind how funny I found the first one, this lost film literally has zero laughs in it from beginning to end. I sat there on Saturday, <coughs> Sunday night. Saturday night, or whatever night it was, and persuaded Mrs. Weaver said, "This is literally this will be hilarious because the first one it can't fail to be. It has to have like two or three really good jokes in it because uh, I, you know, how much I love the first one." She was like, "Rolls her eyes, yeah, all right then." So we we put it on, no laughs, hour and a half, nothing, not not didn't even raise a laugh. Afterwards, I had to apologise to my wife <laughs> for putting it on. This is Valentine's. If it's a Saturday, uh, it's Valentine's Day. I think it was Valentine's oh, Day. No. <laughs> Ten o'clock, we whacked it on because we had the meal and you know, and we'd watched. Um, I can't remember what we watched. Oh, we watched um, watched Heartbreak Kid and uh, The Brave One. So we had a bit of light light uh, viewing <laughs> with the Jodie Foster revenge movie. And then, uh, yeah, we watched Anchorman, Guffo, El Guffo. We watched Magnolia on Valentine's Day for the first time. Now, that's an overrated movie. <laughs> we we enjoyed it, but like that's strong. Strong, strong Hoffman, though. Strong Cruise. Strong, strong Cruise, Cruise, definitely. definitely. Yeah. But to start that film, you think, man, this is going to be clever. Like, all these... Coincidences, you think the whole film's building like for three hours is building up to this big thing at the end, this big reveal. It's like, oh no, that was how a few people lived their lives about the time that it started raining frogs that one time back in the day. Yeah. yeah. Cheers. Bye. Dumpo. Speaking of Zavi, though, by the way, I would love to work at Zavi right now. I mean, I wouldn't trade it for this particular job. <laughs> I'd love to work at a store that's on its last legs. Imagine, or, or a Woolworths when it's going out. Imagine. That final week at work, it's literally it's the end of the world. You can do anything. 
And bear in mind, I worked in a cinema where it's basically like that every day anyway. <laughs> it's like, it's anarchy. Anarchy is literally the Wild West. We're Mike, in- when you move to Trowbridge, the end of the world could be any day. So any, uh, any time. We're not even talking about me moving to Trowbridge. It looks like me and my girlfriend might have to go to the friggin' Wild West of Trowbridge. Yeah. We'll go into this on a future podcast if it actually goes ahead. Anyway, but it's like every day working at the cinema, and I urge any student listening to this to get a job at a cinema. It's just the Wild West. You is is absolutely crazy. Get a get a, when it, a small out of town cinema which no one goes to. It's just the Wild West, and that's what it'll be like at Zavi. Like it's closing out in a couple few weeks from now. Whenever it is, that last week, my God, you'd have a license to kill at that place. Do anything, yeah. You could do anything you want. No one's gonna fire you. No one's ever gonna be able to give you a reference anyway because you're never gonna be able to track them down because it'll be all over the country. So you can just write your own references anyway. Mm. No one's gonna be able to check up on what you did. It's brilliant. You can do whatever you want. Zavi employees. Go nuts. I urge you to go nuts. Not with machine guns, though. No. No no fatalities, no injuries, if possible. No. But that's Mike's job. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll get around that. (laughs) Right, let's have some sweets then, Mike. Let's have some sweets. What we got here, then? Fans of uh, the podcast may remember that, I don't know, what, a couple of months ago, we we tried some uh, reader sweets without having having tried them out before. Yeah, I went to London, bought a load of sweets, and since then, our readers have been sending us some sweets. Mm. Which Mike's been eating all the nice ones. No, I haven't haven't eaten all the nice ones. We got sent some nice ones, and we split them around the office, and they were great. They never actually made it to the podcast. We didn't get to review them. We did thank the guy who sent them on the podcast, and we did send him some free stuff. It's a similar situation now in that these have actually have made it to the podcast, but I don't have the name of the guy who sent them in. Unfortunately, it was in my notepad back in the office. I forgot. I do apologize, but thank you. You know how much we appreciate it because we sent you some free stuff. Everyone else will get the same treatment. If you send us some free sweets, we will review them on the podcast unless they're delicious. In which case, we'll eat them in the office and we'll likely send you some free stuff. This is a great thing. All right, we if enjoy you send it very us, much. Like, uh, any free money? Or yeah, if you, if but, you but want it has free. to be. It has to be good, inventive sweets, not like Maltesers or an Aero or something. Yeah, well, as an example, what we have here are Warheads. Yeah, sour, extreme sour, and it has a little, a little, um, like thermometer on there, which begins with tart, sour, super sour, and extreme. And this is the sour <laughs> power meter. Oh, so you know they're talking business. I'm not big. I'm not. I got to admit. I, hey, if you're high up on the official sour power meter, that's pretty sour. I, I got to admit, Mike, I'm not big on sour sweets. Well, let me tell you about the warning it has on the packet, which is actually a serious may warning. May kill. It is a serious <laughs> warning, which isn't written in a jokey font or anything. It says eating multiple pieces within a short time period may cause a temporary irritation to sensitive tongues. And may cause te- temporary <laughs> irritation to the bowel area. I'm sure there won't be, but there aren't any nuts in this, are there? Because <laughs> I will die. Yeah. Sugar, corn syrup, malic acid, citric acid, water, ascorbic acid, art- a lot of acid. Hydrochloric acid. A lot of acid. Artificial flavours, blue, red and yellow. Right. Matt's going to live. Crack them crack open then. And nuts. And peanuts. What flavour would you like? Oh, they're different flavours. Yeah. What are they? Well, we've got oh, lemon, word. watermelon, blue raspberry... Probably to your tongue blue. And apple. If you're talking yeah, sour, apple. you have to go lemon. Lemon's gonna be I'll, I'll have apple. mega sour. Right. No, I bet it's no, I bet they've I bet they've I bet they've uh, turned it on its head. In that case, nah, Oh lemon. no, extreme sour. Is it they're, they're, they're they're all all extreme. Oh they, they all say it right. In that okay. case I'm gonna have um watermelon. You see it's distributed by impact confection. And here's the thing, I have actually tasted one of these. These guys haven't. Because Matt wasn't in the office when they came in and Tim was being a big baby. Right then. So we're going to pop them all at once. I know what to expect. So I don't expect any dramatic reaction from me. 
So I'm going to stay quiet. And these two can just enjoy. They smell like ass. Oh, Thank God, you once smell, again for sending them in, even though they horrible. do smell like ass to our reader who sent them in. I will advise you that once you've sucked through the sour layer, they don't taste too bad underneath. Okay. So be brave. Ready? Yeah, go. Oh, my. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my word. <laughs> it tastes horrible. <laughs> They're all right. What do you think that? They, they are sour. Mm. You've got to be shitting me. No, it's cool. Makes your tongue all tingle. Makes you feel like... <laughs> they do take your breath away a bit, don't they? Oh, they're horrible. You've gone through the layer now, so it'll be all right. Underneath are just like regular sweets. Mm. Or you should mm. get through the layer, all right. Gypped. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't go mad. I'm not mad on like really sour sweets. Especially ones that taste like ass. You know what it tastes like? If you leave batteries in remotes too long, you get that white crusty acid leaking out. It tastes like licking that. Or what I imagine licking that would be. <laughs> I was going to say. say. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Have, a, have a watermelon one. Pop it. Oh, not right now. I'm going to finish this Nah, one. pop it. No. God. <laughs> Pussy. Well, they were good. And um, they were strong. Not quite the dramatic reaction I expected. But they do kind of take your breath away. It's kind of yeah, hard to speak do. when yeah. you pop them They're in really, really sour when you get when you. They taste not, almost like salt. It's not like, for example, the uh, the Skittles spray candy, where the second it touches your tongue, you just go, oh. <laughs> or that oh. one that 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 sweet you brought in. That guy was it you brought in or the guy sent in that tasted of like sick, tasted of vomit. The bean boozers. Mm. Oh, they were disgusting. I seriously thought I was going to puke. The minute you put it on your tongue, you're just like, oh, don't mm. need that. In fact. I think we can do without that sweep. So what else have we been up to then? What else have we been playing? Street Fighter 4, Tim. Street Fighter 4. Street Fighter 4. I like it's the only thing that matters in my life anymore. And in many ways, it is. It's the only game I want to play for the rest of my life. Thanks very much. I'm sure I'll change my mind on that when Total War Empire comes out in a month. Not even a month. A couple of weeks. But Street Fighter 4 has been getting played. I'm currently on... um, God... 35 games played, I think 31 victories. Um, admittedly, I've been playing the game since, like, November of last year. That's all right. And I'm milking an unfair advantage, but at the same time, it's a pretty good result, and most of the games I've lost have been down to lag as well. It's a really... The online code is actually really good. Uh, Virtual Fighter showed us that it was possible and really showed us how it could be done. I mean, it's, Virtual Fighter works great. Street Fighter also works really, really well. Not quite as well as Virtual Fighter 5, I don't think, but <coughs> it works really well. Uh, as long as you go for like a game in Europe, it's going to be fine. If you go against someone in Japan, it's probably not so great. I played Matt, who's like, I don't know, 20, 30 miles up the road, and it was flawless. I mean, it was just flawless. It was, I wouldn't say it's like being in the same room, but it was as good as. Mm. as I mean, it's a really good game online, uh, which is, we always said it was impossible to get a fighting game working online, and this, along with Soul Calibur and Virtual Fighter, proved that it isn't. Now, Pellet made a confession this morning. That I'm rubbish at it. That you're rubbish at yeah. Street Fighter. I am. Blimey. I am rubbish. Oh, I didn't expect you to admit that live on air. No, I'm, I'm rubbish at Street Fighter, but uh, I, I hope to get good. Yeah, Matt, not Matt does himself some of the trials. Matt does himself down. The fact that the problem is he, he's playing me more than anyone else. No, no, no my and, live and room I'm, record is about thirty percent. And I am um, the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just, I'm just a winner. I'm a born winner. I, 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 pl I play the game and I win. And bear in mind, what we should say is this is the one game I can beat Matt. At. In all the world, I have one game I can beat Matt at. 
And I, was, I, I beat him. And the other day, Matt's like, tell you what, Mike, you're a terrible winner. It uh, wasn't about that. You know it wasn't about but that. Here's, here's how I play. When I play, to make it more fun for people spectating, I'll be like, <coughs> like making noises, like I'm actually getting hit when they're laying into me and stuff. And when I win, I'm always like, oh, you know, oh, you know good game. Do you, want, do you want to play again? What a dick I am. What a douchebag. All, all that. Hey, good game, man. Do you want to play again? What a prick. Come on, you know that's not in reference to me playing you. You knew what it was about. What was it in reference to? I'm not saying on the podcast. I actually don't know. I just think I genuinely don't know. Moving on. <laughs> but the thing is, you've played Matt at FIFA and Pez, Tim. Well, I've played him at FIFA. Pez is a bit more even, even Stevens yeah. between the but two of us. Let's, let's, let's talk about bad winners, though. Let's talk about that smug, that, in, that interminably smug I look. smile when I play. I can't help smiling. But the thing with Pellet, right, is that he will, he will not, like, he will not, he cannot take losing. He cannot take losing, okay? <laughs> he doesn't take it badly, necessarily, but he just cannot take the fact that someone's beating him at a game, okay? So here's the... Here's how, unexpected. Here, no, here's how it went with Pez, all right? Like, he, he says to me... I said to him one day, do you want a game of Pez, Pellet? And he's like, nah, nah, I've been playing FIFA at home. We don't want to play Pez anymore. Pez is rubbish. I said, all right, okay. He said, do you want to play FIFA? I said, no. And he said, all right, well, I'll give you a game of Pez then. Anyway, I absolutely hammered him, like, three games on the trot. Next when was day. this? No, no, wait, listen. Let me <laughs> tell the story. Ne- <laughs> next day, next day we play and he's like, do you want to go Pez? I was like, yeah, all right. You're, I was thinking in my head, you seem a bit keen. And then it sort of started coming to me saying, he, what he's trying to do is he's trying to get back into the Pez mind, mindset so that he can beat me again on a consistent basis. <laughs> all right. So next time, I think maybe I won two games, you won one or something like that. And then we go in, and then he wins a couple of games. He beats me during a peso clock, and he's like, "Giving it, the, giving <laughs> it the, yeah, giving the old yeah. nod." Yeah, right, right, now, yeah Tim, right in, now, Tim's pulling the the, the Matt Pellet smug face, and um, and that's why he does it. He's not interested in playing pairs. He's not interested in playing me at pairs. All he wants to do is make sure that he maintains his position as the best games player in the office. Now, since Street which Fight, he is, by yeah, a which mile. he is by a mile. But since Street Fight came along, Mike's better at him. And what Pellet couldn't hack. Was that Mr. Part-Time Player, which is me, because I don't, you know, as we all know, I don't get as much time to play games as I like, could beat him at something, okay? So he has to play every lunchtime now just to prove the point. Although, <laughs> not quite yet. You haven't got the better. You had that no, one no. day. I had, I had a day where it was 2-1 to me, but then I think next day it was 2-1 to you. So it's... Matt does himself down at Street Fighter as well. He's going to be good. It's, the skills are there. It's just, it's just more, knowledge, more knowledge of the game as well. Yeah. And that's why Street Fighter is just like a great game. It tests every skill you have as a gamer, you know? It's never down, like, the, reason, the, the problem I have with football games at dinner time is that so much of it's down to what the AI is doing with your team. And the number of times I hear you shouting at the screen going, like, <laughs> yeah. why would you do that? Why? Yeah. Why, you know, why, would, why, would, why didn't you make a run? Why, didn't, why is there no one in the box? Like, you never have that problem with Street Fighter. It's you, it's the controller, it's the game, and it's your knowledge of the game. It's and, such, and such a pure game. But the thing I like about it is that I, I, I really don't know that much about Street Fighter, but I can still have a good game, like, even if it's just against a computer, I can have almost just as good a time as Mike can at his higher level of gameplay. Yeah, at, even at a low level. All, I, Matt is basically using all of the tools I would at a high level. So he's using the focus attacks and so on. He's using the ultras and he's using the supers. He's just using them differently. And that's like at every level, every skill in the game has a use. Every tool you have in your toolbox has a use. Well, that's something that, that say, Virtual Fighter 5 just can't give me absolutely like yeah. I, that game is just impenetrable to me because I can't even start and find a foothold because playing against people in the office I just get absolutely smashed every time yeah 
So, Mike, you were talking a little bit in the office this morning about Halo Wars. Yeah. It's got some good scores elsewhere. We gave it not so good score in our latest issue. Yeah. Um, but you um, say you, you you sort of concur with that. You don't think it's very good. I agree with the score that um, our reviewer, Martin Kiss, gave it. Absolutely. Um, for anyone who hasn't read the mag, I think it was 60-something. 60 68, I think. 68. Yeah. I mean, that's not a bad score. We should, we should... Yeah, it's above average, that's a, a but, you know, it's... Yeah, I absolutely agree with his score. I think you could argue a good case for a higher score. I think you could argue a good case for a lower score. I think if you... Like, the actual presentation of the game, the Halo side of things is... Impeccable. It is very much. It has the look and the sound of, and the feel of a Halo game. What it doesn't have is any element of strategy whatsoever. And I've played a lot of RTS games, and I, I play them like all the time. For me, like Total War is going to be the game which I play all year. When I'm not playing Street Fighter, I'm going to be playing Total War. I mean, get ready for a very boring long list of podcasts where you say, "Hey, what are you playing, Mike?" And like I say, Street Fighter Four and Empire Total War. I I play and um, also uh, StarCraft when that comes out. I play strategy games a lot. I really like them. Uh, what Halo Wars is is a failure at every single level, in every way. It, it could have been a success. It is a failure. And to me, like you look at something like Shell Shock, and you think, oh well, you know, they, they had like two pound fifty to make it, and probably about six weeks. So it's kind of it's not. You can Such understand surprise, how it yeah. ended up being bad. But Ensemble are a great studio, a great studio, backed by Microsoft money, making a game with the, fran- with the biggest franchise in Western gaming, no question. And they produce this? I mean, it's, it's a failure in absolutely every way. There's no strategy. I mean, it is a game where essentially you mob groups up and send them in. I mean, people are talking about how the controls work. The controls only work because there's so little to do. I mean, you can, you can make a game which works with just one button if, there's only, if it's a game about pressing one button, you know? So what they've made is a strategy control scheme which works just fine because well, all I'm doing is grouping up a big bunch of guys and sending them over here or over there. Maybe you want to send them into two groups? Well, yeah, I can do that. But there's no real way of managing lots and lots of mobs and there's not a particularly great advantage in spreading them out anyway. You're at your most powerful when you mob guys up. We said this in the preview and it holds true for the review. Uh, Command and Conquer, the old joke what the PC gamer used to make was that Command and Conquer had only two controls. You know, you drag across all of your units with the with the le- with left click, you click on the enemy base with the right click, Command, Conquer. You know, you just send all of them, every unit on the battlefield, Command, send them in, Conquer. And it was always a joke, you know, Command and Conquer, you, there was more to it than that, but that was the joke. In Halo Wars, there is no more to it than that. That is the game. What they've done, I think... And quite deliberately, and it makes sense they would do it, is make an action game out of an RTS camera and controls. It almost plays like a Halo game. It's more about moving your guys into one place and attacking lots in a big old fight and watching the fight. And I will say this for it, it is actually quite satisfying because all you do is steamroll your way through like hordes of bad guys. And I'm playing on the normal difficulty setting, but I have, I have absolutely trounced the AI on skirmish mode on the higher setting multiple times. It is not a smart enemy. So you're constantly just steamrolling the bad guys. And it's very satisfying because it looks like Halo, sounds like Halo. Guns, bullets flying everywhere, looks great. But what you're doing essentially is mobbing guys up and sending them in. It's not a strategy game. They've made an action game. And I can understand why they would do it, but it doesn't make it, doesn't make it a fun game. If I'm going to play an action game, put me down on the battlefield and give me a gun. Yeah, You made, you made a good point this morning about how... Um some of the high scores are probably are probably fans of Halo more than strategy games. I think a lot of websites and magazines will give it to 
quote-unquote the right man for the job the guy in the office who knows the most about halo which is a which is an acceptable thing you give it to the guy who knows halo the most unfortunately halo does encourage a certain degree of fanboyism and i'm not saying that's what's going to cause high scores all over the place what i'm saying is give it to the right man for the job who's maybe more inclined to embrace the halo like you know halo side of the game which is undeniably strong the cutscenes are amazing the music's great the, the characters are all really good. It is very Halo. It's even got like a complete chronology of Halo history it built into the game, which is like you know, great for anyone who's a fan of the series. As you unlock different events as you go through the game. It's The Halo half is so strong that I think it will encourage quite a few big scores, and I can understand perhaps why it would get them. But I can also see why any strategy gamer is going to get their hands on this and just be so disappointed. Because mm. it's not... I mean, yeah, you employ strategy in a game, but you employ strategy in every game, you know? Any game requires a degree of strategy, so to that extent, yes, it is arguable that it's a strategy game. To me, the amount of brain power I'm putting into this game is just minimal. I'm grouping up, I'm sending them all in, and you can get through the entire campaign with that. I have. You can, you can use that tactic to get through. It's, again, as it, I think for when you look at who it's from, who's backing it, and what it's about, it's just an absolute failure. Mm. And it's just a shame because, like, releasing almost the same week, yeah, possibly the same week or maybe the week after, you think Halo Wars comes out next week and Dawn of War 2 comes out this week. Dawn of War 2 is what Halo Wars should have been, essentially. Dawn of War 2, I don't think, is quite as good as the first Dawn of War. It's not quite so tactical. But Dawn of War 2 would work perfectly on the console. It's, it's essentially about separating small squads up into different places, making sure they're taking advantage of cover, moving them together, you know, making sure you've got the right man for the right job in the right place at the right time. That's what Halo Wars should have been and could have been. But instead they stuck to this kind of very old-fashioned Command and Conquer, Age of Empires kind of thing. It just doesn't work for Halo. It's, it's the wrong kind of game. But even, even if it weren't the wrong kind of game, it still wouldn't be a good game within what they're trying to do. Mm. Based on what they've aimed for, they've missed. Sorry. So you want to uh, do some questions then? Yeah, let's, uh, we've got quite a lot actually. We've um, amassed a number of questions. Right, first one from J3, um, which is about Dead Rising 2, which we've been talking about early on. He wants to know what, what, we, um, what we hope it would be like. I've actually chopped off the first part of this question brilliantly. Um, but he's saying that for him, he, he wants it to be at least half serious. He said the little clips on the, uh, the teaser trailer of him running in what we dubbed the atmosphere, the fusion yeah, frenzy like style balls. Yeah, gladiator's him atmosphere. Yeah. yeah, makes him scared that it's going to be a little bit ridiculously stupid. Well, um, it was always stupid. What game yeah. was he playing originally? Yeah. Yeah. Dead Rising was absolutely I, I think ridiculously stupid. Isn't he stupid. saying that he hopes it's going to be a, a partly serious? Yeah, I mean, what game was he playing? No, he, he says he hopes they stick to keeping it at least half serious. So that means I he suppose, was I suppose the, the story one. was kind of fairly serious wasn't the, the it? story was totally at odds with the content of the game yeah i'm not sure if deliberately so but it was totally odds with content. I mean, this is a game where you warm up a frying pan and sizzle it against things faces yeah. where you stick an excavator through them and then lift them off the ground and all the limbs come flying off and they <laughs> whirl around and you use that to beat people to death with well you mix up a couple of food items to make a blue drink and then spit zombies to death i, I wouldn't bank on it changing too much i think it'll be pretty much the same i think there'd be like a, a serious underlining storyline about yep. the breakout how it happened how it's going to be solved um, but from there on, it's just but crazy be, weapons. Yeah, it'll be the same. Silly psychopaths. It's, it's Circus Dynasty Warriors, is what a game is. It's, it's like you know, you you got a massive crowd to go through. Instead of you know, ten thousand hit combos Dynasty Warriors style, 
you pick up a sledgehammer and you stove heads in over yeah. and over. And in this case, you roll over in a big hamster ball. I don't see anything wrong with that. And a motorbike as well. I mean, this is mm. this is going to be... Well, if you look at him, he's got like a biker jacket on. Well, we, he's, he's most likely a stunt biker. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's a lot of that goes on in Vegas. You know, yeah, big stunt yeah. bike events and so on. Yeah. That would make sense. The photography whipped out of the game as well, most likely. It's yeah. like, you know, this is... I don't see any reason why they would abandon the more serious story, but outside of the story, that game's going to be pure mirth. Anything goes, yeah. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Gippo Beater, I'm going to keep calling him Gippo Beater for as long as he gives us <laughs> is, questions. Is that, is that so, you don't, so you don't have to say Gippo Beater? <laughs> yes, that's, that's exactly right. Why, oh, okay. Mike? I understand now. Um, he says, it's been a few months since Gears of War 2 was released, and looking back, does anyone in the office think it was a letdown or a disappointment? Um, I mean, I think I came out straight away saying I wasn't, yeah, I didn't fall in love with it straight away. I wasn't hugely into it. I thought it was all right, but um, maybe not loads more than that. How about you? Cause no, you game's it. awesome. Game's awesome. Was, is still awesome. Continues to get better. It's um, it comes into its own online. It really does. Uh, it's as uh, in ho in co-op in horde, and in multiplayer against one against other teams. I think it's, it's like it's game. like Halo in a lot of ways, isn't it? I mean, Halo the single player is always good, mm -hmm. but. Um, you know, think oh, Halo has a better single player than the, Gears. I think. Yeah, but the multiplayer is kind of where it's at. Isn't it? I mean, the Horde should definitely be stolen by every single game. Yeah, and like, a, lot, a lot of developers are actually. I'd be really yeah. disappointed if even ODST didn't have like a Horde style mode. I think that's a feature they should definitely implement in Halo. Because since it's, ODST has been confirmed to be Bungie Team's last shot at Halo, so the last Halo thing they're going to do, presumably ever, possibly, we'll see how much money Microsoft throws at them in 10 years from now. But for the time being, it's the last, their last shot at Halo. Put in a horse style mode. Just do it. Let's, let's have it. It's too good not oh, to. Oh, Clifford B was saying that he was surprised people, more people hadn't nicked it. Yeah. I mean, so it was in the, um, the Xbox Live Arcade remake of Marathon, mm. which is a bungee game, you know, and that's it was handled by a different company who slotted that, that section in, that, that mm. mode in. It's a really great way to play. It's a really fun way to play with friends. It's not frustrating either. Well, either. You know, you lose and that's fair enough. You don't have yeah. anyone like cussing you at any other end of the microphone. It's just... Well, I lost. Let's, uh, let's start out my wave again and we'll give it another crack. Mm. It's a really good mode. Everybody should rip it off. Uh, he also goes on to ask, uh, are there any games you look back on now and regret giving such a high score? Or do you believe, as a games journalist, you should always stick to your guns? I think, I think I'll address this point, first of all, is, is that I think we, at the time, um, a lot of things are taken into consideration. Now, one of them is, you know, how far along in the system. We're talking about, you know, what sort of generation in that system we, we are. Um, Just take it in the context of the games that surround it. Exactly. Uh, what other games are out there? We're also, you know, how far, you know, because what you've got to remember is that when when Gears of War came out, for example, it looked so good mm -hmm. compared to everything else. That I mean, don't don't get me wrong, Gears of War is an exceptional game, but it looked so good in terms of what else was out there that it was difficult not to kind of find yourself getting a bit. I wouldn't say carried away, but you certainly get taken along by the kind of experience of being in this incredibly evocative game world, you mm -hmm. know. And 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 I think that you know, so and I don't think I mean a lot of a lot of journalists and and magazines may say, oh no, no, we stick we stick to our score because you know, but I think it's unrealistic to kind of look back two years down the line and say this you know game A is still as good, still deserving of ninety five percent when we've when we've got. You know, the next uh, evolution of that particular game genre has already come out and has bettered it. You know, so it's unrealistic to do that. So I'm not, as a magazine, we're not we're not scared to kind of look back and say, okay, you know, we still think this game is great. I think we would never score a game high if we didn't think that it would stand the test of time. 
Mm. So all the games that we scored higher, you don't bang like a ninety-five percent on something if it's not going to be something you're going to be a very, very exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So games I mean, like Bioshock, games like Street Fighter Four, even games like Halo Three, these are games which will last, you know, yeah. years. I mean, you go back and play them, and you think, okay, uh, X game that came out last week does this better, but you still. You can still see it for the good, you know, the great game. It's there's two things at stake here as well. It's like it's you take you're, you're talking about scores you take back because times have changed. You know, things have moved on. You know, or is it scores you take back because you got it wrong at the time? Yeah, Much I, think, like I think that's the, the most interesting one, one we talked about a couple of podcasts ago. The American Football Manager review, yeah, that was taken back because it was. Well, it was wrong. On, on Written by a guy who literally didn't understand what it was supposed to I'd be. I'd like to think we've never done that. I think that the, when we scored a game, yeah, we may, in you know, two years down the line, now looking back at like the first releases, like COD, say COD 2. Perfect Dark Zero. Perfect Dark Zero. Oh, yeah, Perfect Dark Zero, we overscored. We, well, we didn't overscore, but we gave it a score at the time that in retrospect now, if we marked it again, it obviously wouldn't get that higher score. The launch games are us, like, you know, you, you get a launch console and... You know, it's almost like for a lot of people at launch, you can get 80% worth of fun out of Perfect Dark because yeah. there's nothing else out there. Exactly. And also, you don't know how high the bench benchmark is going to be. Mm. You know, but, I mean, for all we knew, Perfect Dark Zero could be what games were going to look like and how games were going to play. You don't know. You know, I mean, you know that eventually get yeah, there's going to be better games than that, but you don't know how high the benchmark is going to be for a long, long time. So when you get those first launch games, you review them and you think, okay... You've got nothing to rate them against because you can't rate them against the last generation of games because they look infinitely better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you can. You can mention them, but they, you're, you're kind of talking about a different kettle of fish. So it is difficult to rate games. I don't know. I think, though, the way that certainly this generation, and Matt and I weren't part of this industry at this point, beginning of this generation, a lot of reviewers took on these games and rated them by those credentials, you know, by those those that. that you know, that kind of... Oh God, I can't think of the word. They're, they're rating them based on those criteria. They're rating them based under those kind of criteria. It's a launch game. You know, we can't really rate it on other things. But for me, as a gamer sitting at home playing on my 360, I was like, well, you know, shit, this game isn't as good as the one I was playing last week on my Xbox, mm. you know? I think gamers... I think when the next generation comes along, I think reviewers will tackle the launch games very differently. Because a lot of reviewers got stung by the launch games on 360. And on PS3, games like MotorStorm, games like Resistance... Things like Perfect Dark Zero, things like Far Cry. These are like on the 360. These are games which people later decided was like probably not worth the numbers that were thrown at them initially. And I think a lot of reviewers were sort of surprised to find they were looking at forums and people weren't as enamored by these games as they were. Yeah. So I think the next generation, the next Xbox, 2012 folks probably, uh, people will be, you know, reviewers will tackle these games with a very different critical eye. I think I can, uh, without addressing sort of specifics, because I think it would be it would kind of a bit remiss of us to go back and address individual games that we've scored, because lots of people review games for us, and not everyone's here to defend their scores. But um, I think generally, what I would say is that have we would we would we adjust some of the scores we've given, given hindsight and given a couple of years down the line? Yeah, we probably would, and in fact have done we in have in, done, in yeah. features before. So yeah, I mean scores. The scores uh, we we give games we uh, at that point in in the game's li- um, in the console's life they deserve you know two years down the line the scenes change there's more games there's better games there's worse games yes scores can be subject to change 
you know, while I don't think that I don't think I think it'd be unrealistic to say that the scores we give games are the scores they get full stop forevermore. I mean, every once in a while you do get a game like that, like Goldeneye, like Resi Four, the ninety sixes, whatever that got. I'd like to think the score I put on Resi Five is gonna stand for years and years to come. I think it's a fair score that that mm. will hold up. Um even a year or two, four or five in the future. Um, mm. But you can't do that with, with every game, sadly, because, you know, if, if we want to work to, you know, an average, you know, 50 average, for example, then we don't know what games are coming out two years down the line, which shifts the entire average. Yeah. So, of course not. So, like it's always the average at that moment, you know. You can look at those reviews a couple of years from now and at least look at the review and say, oh, yeah, I can see where they're coming from. Mm. Given the context and given the time, I can see that, yeah, okay, like, you know, this is this is what Gears of War 2 was at that moment. I think that's interesting because, like, you know, when you do film studies and so on at university, which I did, and I think, did you? No. Okay, well, someone else did. Jem did. You do film studies or something, and you look at old reviews of films, and you place them in the context in which they were released yeah. at the time and so on. You look at these, uh, these things, as, and it does really inform your reading of the game. It's like, of the film. It's like, it's not just what I think about it now. It's what people thought about it at the time, yeah. and... At the very least, I like to think that, you know, even if the score isn't, you know, even if the game isn't necessarily a 90% several years from now, it, the review's going to be worth reading because, oh, well, this is what they thought of it at the time. And, you know, this is, this is how people felt at the time. It's like, make, say, say what you like about the, those launch game reviews. They're interesting kind of, you know, wank hat on cultural artifacts. Yeah, you know, yeah, you read them and you're like, oh, shit, look how people, this is like an epidemic. Everybody got really carried away. Yeah, Everybody yeah. really got caught up in this. I wonder why that was. And you can look into you know, why it was that everyone got that way. And did anybody buck the trend? Did anybody mm. go the other way? And are those reviews more right now than they, the yeah. other reviews were? And was it more or less right at the time? I think that's just a really interesting way of looking yeah, at it yeah. as well. So. I mean, every once in a while, a game comes along that changes reviews afterwards, like Call of Duty 4. After COD 4 came out, first-person shooter reviews changed dramatically because oh. everything was held against that then. Yeah. Before COD 4, you know, the, the benchmark was much lower. If we, I, I'd honestly say, if we could change one score, so it would be COD Four. Yeah. Because we rated that ninety percent, and that was based on on the sort of circumstance we had at the time, which was not very, without getting into too much, not very friendly reviewing circumstances in terms of code being made available to us. Um, but also because multiplayer is the absolute kind of the absolute pinnacle of, of multiplayer games is, is COD 4 yeah, has you know, I think so, yeah. it's just brilliant and we didn't have the conditions to review that at the time because no, there is, no one it, was online it is interesting that there is no way for us to review games so whenever you read a review if that game isn't on shelves at the point you're reading that review they haven't played it online. No. They might have played it on the partner net test system. They might which, have played it against, playing some against schmoes at the studio. Exactly, they're playing against some guys at the studio who are making them feel great about the game, can set up the game to be anything those guys want it to be, can make you look as good as they want. Although I must say, at a recent EA event, I played um, DICE's people at Battlefield 1943. Yeah, they weren't exactly holding back, man. They were, <sighs> they were like, you know what? These guys, these reviewers, they think they're all that. Ooh, Mirror's Edge, 60%. Well, <laughs> well, I tell you, well, I tell you what, here's your 60% right here. 60% straight up your ass. And we got torn to pieces. Abs That's what I'd be like. If I was a dev, I wouldn't go easy on journalists. I was like, sod that. I made this game. I'm going to show it out. We got absolutely <laughs> shredded. But, you know, they can make games be yeah. anything they want. They can make you feel great if they wanted to, even in the worst circumstances. Well, you know, it's so... Be sceptical when you see online reviews. The one rule we always stick to in our magazine is when we review the online... We will describe the online component in the, in the review, but we will not review the online component until we can actually test it against 
players and the community. Mm-hmm. Um, these, these, oh God, where was I? What were you saying? COD4. COD4, yeah. COD4 is a score that I would personally would, would love to see go up, just, yeah. even on the strength of the single player game. It's what Matt and I were talking about, essentially with Resident Evil 5. You look at this game, COD4 is a really short game, it's like five hours long. You know, your first playthrough is probably only six hours. Probably blaze through it in like three or four on later plays. But every element is so good and it's so well paced. It's so brave. I mean, it's a game which essentially, and spoilers if you haven't played it, you get killed twice in the game. Your main character dies twice. Um, an atomic bomb goes off on Saudi Arabian soil. This is like ridiculously brave. I mean, it's, and they never mention say that it's Saudi Arabia, by the way. It's always just like, but it's on the map. You can see where it's marked on the map. They're ridiculously brave. And for all these things alone, we should have, I think, praised them more. Mm. Instead, we, it was, I think it was reviewed as a game. Yeah. A, a very good game. But as like, I think it's an incredible piece of design as well. And as you say, online is absolutely peerless. And I, when I reviewed it online, I gave it four stars out of five. I would, in a second, give it uncategorically five stars right yeah. now. Uh, Alan Wake wants to know uh, when are subscriptions for Xbox 360 going to be made available? Okay, right. I can't talk a lot about this, but what I can tell you is that we are finally much closer to this possibly happening. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was in a meeting this morning. I can't talk about the details because I'll get sacked. But um, but anyway, there may be some... Let me just say that there may be some good news on the horizon. Anything our uh, listeners can do? Send in more requests? Not really, no. It's... Um, no, not really. It's just a question of uh, just, sitting just tight. Hold, just hold on to your scrot and wait. Yeah. It? Pray, yeah. guys. Start praying. Um, Benjamin3 wants to know... Uh, what with Metal Gear Solid 4, Little Big Planet, and now Killzone 2, he's been considering buying a PlayStation 3 for a while. Um, with our gaming horizon looking relatively bleak, uh, what can we offer as unofficial spokesman? Wait a second, what games, did, what games did he list as reasons to get his history? We'll, we'll go over this again in a second. Uh, how can we convince him not to trade in his big white brick? Um, yeah, his three games were Metal Gear Solid 4, <laughs> Little Big Planet, which is friggin' brilliant. Yeah. And um, no we question. all have to hold up our hands and say that game is amazing. Yeah, that game's great. And Killzone 2. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is... Killzone 2 is sadly disappointing. I don't know whether you can really describe um, uh, Xbox uh, gaming outlook as looking bleak. It's not bleak, no. but it is empty right now. And that's yeah. only because every major studio is holding back their big announcements yeah. this year. Honestly, um, just to put some uh, perspective onto this, phoning around the companies this month trying to... Um, find out what they've got to talk about and what's on the horizon has been met with almost complete um i wouldn't say silence but a a fairly short a lot of wait and see yeah a lot of fairly short conversations about we're doing this we're not nice anything until e3 we're not talking about this now we're not talking about that let me just say that 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 there are a lot of big games coming but they're, they're all coming at the end of the year. There's a lot of things we know about where we can't mention. Unfortunately, unfortunately, I know that always seems like a bit of a, yeah. a bit of a It's not us being all willy waving and stuff. It's like it's uh, it's just because it's that that we can't mention it. So anyway, going back to the question, I think that um, yeah, you're probably right, Mike. That actually the PS3 at the moment does look like it's got because it's got. Although Little Big Planet was before Christmas, so was Metal Gear. So mm-hmm. you know, it's not exactly. Metal Gear was like summer last year. Yeah, I mean... It's not exactly flooded with quality games. Well, one of the things I will say about Killzone is that, I mean, you guys didn't really like what you saw on it. Um, But it seems to be getting fairly good marks across the board. I don't understand. From what I play, I play a good third of that game. Yeah. 
Um, you talked quite at um, length about Killzone. Yeah, so I, on the last I really didn't get on here. here. When you were snowed in. Snowed in. Yeah. I think what I'll say to him, I'll take a different a different approach. Like, I'm not going to be like, oh, there'll be big announcements in the future, which there will be, but I, I'm also sure there'll be big announcements for PS3. What I will say is that for the multiplayer game, sorry, multi-platform games, a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them are superior on 360. That's a fact. Without yeah. exception, look at far the state of Far Cry 2 and look at the state of Fallout 3 on the PS3. Like, I own a PS3, it sits right alongside my 360, and would, I would not even consider buying a multi-platform game on the PS3. No, I mean, I've got PS3, I like my PS3, the few games I have got, like Little Big Planet, brilliant, brilliant games. I'm really glad I've got the platform to play them. But when it comes to a multi-platform game, I always get them on 360. Partly, I must admit, because of achievements, because I am that sad. But a lot of the time, it's just down to the fact that it's it's and a better game. I couldn't care about achievements, but I just think about this this week. Microsoft did something really smart in launching the 360 early, which is they got a lot of people playing. And World of Warcraft has done a similar thing. It's the success is almost the same, because the reason people come and join World of Warcraft right now is because all their friends are playing it. And the reason I would buy any multi-format game on the Xbox after getting over the point that you know they are almost invariably superior on 360 is that all my friends are there. Mm. And you've got the unified friends list. When I go on PS3, like, there's, there's no, no one else on my friends list is, is really playing the PS3. And if it is, it's never something I'll be playing them with or that we hop in the same game together. Yeah. I don't even have a headset because you need to get a Bluetooth headset. Yeah. I, I don't think even we, have one. I think so. we should underline that, you know, we've got no beef here with the PS3 whatsoever. You know, as Mike and said, they've both got PS3s at home. So it's not, it's not that. It's more just a, you know, when you look at it, when you try and look at it from a, an unbiased perspective, it, that, you know, I don't know how someone could think that they'd, that the PS3 looks that much rosier. What I, I would mean, say is my PS3 is a £300 little big planet player. Yeah. So and Wipeout player. That's y all it is. The only recommendation I could give to Benjamin 3 is if he's never really had many consoles before, if he didn't want to trade it in, if he wants to start looking at PS2 games and stuff. Because if he was going to take that route and go through yeah. all the old classics... Oh, you got a lot absolutely. of PS2 yeah. games. Hell absolutely. yeah, without question. you got a lot of people... I mean, there are Xbox games with 360 games coming that we can talk about. I mean, we're getting to the point now where there's so few platform exclusives from third parties. And... On paper, you know what? Sony's first parties are stronger than Microsoft's. Yeah. They, re they really are. But the third-party games will be better on 360. We are getting Splinter Cell Conviction exclusive to 360, yeah. and that's going to be a great, great game. Any multiplayer games coming from Ubisoft or from any developer will likely be better on the PS3, even though they'll, of course, be very quick to say, oh, now we'll be de developing them together. Like, in our experience, that's never the case. you only got to look at what a shambles Far Cry 2 looks on the PS3. Mm. And then... There are games, of course, coming from Microsoft Studios that we know are coming. We can, we can talk about Halo ODST, Forza 3, not officially announced, but you know it's coming this year. Yeah. You can count on... Alan Wake. Alan Wake. You know, this is going to be a great game from a great developer. Yeah. Uh, these are, you know, these are big games. Big games Gears yeah. of War 3, of course, next year, yeah. almost in, undoubtedly coming yeah. next year. These are games you can absolutely count on. I mean, the PS3 is going to have a game from Raider Studio which will be incredible, no question. It's going to have God of War 3, which is going to be a great game. Heavy Rain, I'm really excited about that, because it's by the Fahrenheit. It's guys. going to be an extended QTE. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not interested I'm not so in that. I'm not keen on that. But I'm, I'm a big point-and-click fan, so... It won't be a point-and-click, though. It'll, yeah, be, it'll, it'll be, be similar. It'll, it'll have Gran Turismo, but that's not really going to be a problem, because Forza, I think, is the better game these days anyway. It's a better game. It's not perhaps not the most... You know, it's not got the most cars, but it's going to be the best game. What, um, what you also find is people saying, oh, you know, as the console generation's wrapping up, you know... We, 360 needs more storage and so on, blah, 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 all this stuff about, you know, 
you know, you know more, there's going to be more stuff on the disc. Blu-ray is this much bigger. Here's the facts, Jack. Crisis is the best-looking game ever made. No question. Anyone who argues is wrong. It is. <laughs> it is. It is the, okay, no, just... Anyone who argues is wrong. Look at that game and tell me that it's not the best-looking game okay. ever made. It is a six-gig game. Six gig. It's, an eight, it's also an eight-hour game. So don't tell me you need a Blu-ray disc to make games look better and play better. It's, this is a great game. It's long, and it has is the best-looking game you'll find anywhere. You don't need the Blu-ray for this. If we get to a point where we do start splitting stuff over two discs, that's the developer's problem, and making it our problem, unfortunately. Mm. The trouble with Blu-ray is it's really not... I, really, I was curious. I was thinking you know, the, next, the next Xbox is going to come along fairly soon. And I was thinking, you know... Maybe we are going to start needing to change our storage medium at that point. I'd be, I'm curious as to what Microsoft will go with, because if nothing else, Blu-ray has proven it's worthless as a gaming medium. It mm. seems backwards. The loading times are, are Loading increased. times are way longer. The sequ- and even, the amount of installs you need as well. Exactly. I mean, I would rather have Metal Gear ship on four, you know, five discs with a level on each disc than have to install it for three minutes every single time I want to play mm. a level. Of course, that wouldn't actually happen, because the only reason Metal Gear takes up as much space as it does is because it has every single language that's available, you know, which can only decide to translate the game into on the same disc. And that is a big advantage of Blu-ray because it's actually cheaper to press one disc with one set of language, yeah, with every set of languages, than do multiple discs for each region. That's gonna, that is going to be a big issue going forward, I think, for third parties. But I think with the next generation of consoles, we're going to be looking at a lot of people are going to be just digitally distributing stuff as well. I mean, I think every game is essentially going to be downloadable or available on shelves. Mm. And, and we are going to see a gradual shift towards um, away from gaming stores and towards downloading. I mean, it's already a dominant way of getting games on the PC, and more and more game stores are going to become like thrift stores. They're just going to be like second-hand shops. Um, and in that world, people aren't going to want to be downloading 40 gigs worth of content no. because it's got every single language on it. They're going to want cut down. They're going to, everyone wants six gigs. And that's fine because six gigs gets you a crisis. Mm. All right, a few more quick questions. Malibu Dave wants to know what video game ability slash piece of equipment would we most like to have? Fear, slow-mo, Half-Life's gravity gun, Bioshock's plasmids, portals, portal gun, stuff like that. Wouldn't Call of Duty 4's martyrdom perk be useful if, if you I got mugged por- on the Trowbridge bus? If I had a portal gun, I could poke my old lady from the office. <laughs> I would uh, have old braids rewind time ability yeah that's, I'd not, go, that's, that's not a gadget dude that's a no it says it says i think you're fine ability, ability uh, okay <laughs> I'd, okay i'd go back and get myself a tracker mortgage instead of a blimmin five-year fix one <laughs> 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 very good very good yeah that sounds quite good actually i'd probably rewinding go, time would be great yeah i'd probably go back and just get a lottery ticket like, or, like or, Biff Tannen in Back to the Future. Yeah, exactly get the old sports almanac yeah, on again yeah. or rewind before hiring us two schmoes and <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah. yeah, just hire someone Undo else. the massive mistake I made. <laughs> yeah, time travel I think is the winner. Yeah, I mean, time, you, you, you travel through time, you're a god. Yeah. Stuff, uh, Agent 47 wants to know are there any concepts we'd like to see be made into a Lego video game? Um, Lego, uh, Lego. Well, <laughs> that, that, that might work. Just like a building game with Lego. It, it was just like, it's like some kind of building construction game with Lego. I'll put it in because uh, obviously, like we found out earlier on, yeah. I think I found out at the weekend that. There's going to be Lego of the Prince of Persia movie. Can so I, surely there's going to be a Lego Prince of Persia. in the world that really doesn't care about the Lego games at all. I mean, I literally can't get excited about them. You're not the only one, but I really like them. I really like how they're I, I can't get excited spin. about them at all. Even when it was Lego Batman, which, and as everyone knows, I'm a massive Batman fan. I can't be arsed with it. 
I just like, I just, I'm just not interested in it. Just it's not the same game it. every time, you know. I yeah. Play that game now. And the Star Wars ones were the funny ones. Indiana Jones and Batman, not so much. Can't be bothered with it. I like Lego. I mean, even if it's just for someone like Geraint who plays it with his little boy, I think they really have their place. Yeah, I think that's, that's true. It's like, you know, it's a cha- it is a chance for people, for grown-ups to play with their kids. Yeah, and you're enjoy maybe it. right. It's yeah. almost like a Pixar movie, you know, the, the equivalent of a Pixar movie in game form. Yeah. You know, adults can enjoy the, the, some of the what, gags. And talk, talking of Pixar movies, uh, they when we again, when we were in Zavi the other week, my little ones wanted to uh, get me to get out something. As she always does, sucking me, sucking my finances dry. And um, I bought a Toy Story, the original Toy Story, because it was going cheap. That is a strong movie. It is a strong oh, movie. Oh, man, that is strong. I've forgotten how good that movie is. A L- load of like, just brilliant like lines in it, you know, just like, really clever stuff. Really are you, good. Uh, are you looking forward to Toy Story 3 or a bit nervous? Oh, is it? I didn't realize yeah. it had been announced. Yeah, it was oh, announced. At least I believe so, unless I've just fallen for it. I've never heard of it. I've never heard of it. I'm sure it's coming. I'm sure it is. But anyway, yeah, I'm a big Toy Story fan. I'm more excited about the um, the cell animated stuff that Disney's going to be doing now. Because, of course, John Lasseter mm-hmm. is now in charge of Disney Studios. Thank yeah. goodness. Which is like, you know, and basically what he's doing is he's rehired the guys who did Aladdin, the guys who did um, Lion King. He's rehiring all these guys, saying, you know what? You know, like, cell animation didn't die. It was killed. It was killed by bad movies. And we can bring it back with good movies. So he's going to be doing good Sal movies. And imagine the stuff we can do now. We, mm. we can mix CGI and Sal animated movies. Yeah. The stuff we can do now is going to be insane. It's been, God, you know, the best part of a decade since the Disney did a Sal animated movie. Yeah. I can't wait to see them back. What was the last one? Lamentable Lilo and Stitch. No, The Emperor's New Groove. Oh, that was dreadful. Oh, that was rubbish. No, oh, I heard that was. Oh, I won't have you say a bad word about Lilo and Stitch. I know I you're inexplicably you're a Lilo and Stitch fan, but both Matt Castle from Endgamer and I were, and, and Tim. We're all just lambasting It's because Stitch reminds me of my cat. That's why. It's just like my cat. You're which is idiot. why I love that film. You're an idiot. Move and Lilo and Stitch too. And Stitch. How about Lego Aliens vs. Predator? And, uh, With and loads of blood. That, no, see, I'd rather just have Aliens vs. Predator, the game. How about, Lego, how about Lego Robocop? Loads I'd of rather blood. just have Robocop, the game. How about Lego Predator with loads of blood? See, the thing is, any Lego thing you 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 make is going to have the is going to be like, hey, look, it's all a joke. I'd Lego rather, Harry Potter. Ra- they I, should make Lego Harry. I'll Potter. tell you what, I wouldn't with mind. Loads of blood. I wouldn't mind a, a Robocop game though. <laughs> that would be strong. I tell you, the thing with Robocop though, he didn't move fast. He doesn't, but and there was a Robocop shooter on the PS2, which I played, and it was freaking terrible. But there was Robocop three on the Amiga. Was it Robocop three? The Robocop games, the three D o- one. ocean ones. Yeah. Okay. That was all right, wasn't it? I don't know. I never had an Amiga. Oh, I, I wasn't rich. Really remember. I wasn't rich. I it looked amazing anyway for the side. Oh, rich kid, Sean. Oh, Richie. Richie Rich. That's, Richie Rich. That's pretty much it for the questions. Oh, right. I yeah. thought there was. I thought you were going to pull the, the surprise one now. No, the back. no. Right. Oh, I'll tell you what. Just totally out of left field. Uh, I reviewed um, Sega Mega Drive Ultimate Collection for our next issue. Yeah, that's right. Not the one coming now, but our, our next one. And uh, something some I, I, I concluded. Um, it's... Since since Microsoft have threatened to take down all Xbox Live Arcade games below a certain, yeah. is it Metacritic they're, they're not they're not doing that anymore. Yeah, it was, it was going to be a Metacritic average. Yeah, but they're not going to do that anymore. Oh, they stopped that now. Yeah, they were originally planning on deleting all games which fell below a certain sales point and a certain Metacritic um, point. Oh, that throws my argument out the window. Good there you go. That's and good. It, it, it sails off. But into what the they have what they have done is said to people they didn't want all these endless like shovelware ports of stuff. They've decided that. Basically, Mike and I had a conversation saying it'd be really good if all the old retro collections, because there's a Namco one now announced for April, I think it is now. Um, it'd be good if 
all of the old retro games are just bundled you know, on one disc in a collection, Ultimate Collection, only if you're going to call it Ultimate, make sure it actually is Ultimate and not just labelled as such. Yeah, well, I want to see Sonic Ultimate CD Collection Volume 2. No, <laughs> exactly. It's just Ultimate, it better be the last, the best and the last. But reserve Xbox Live Arcade for games which are, you know, reimaginations of classics. A, a new HD 2D Sonic game. You know, don't stick Sonic 2, Sonic, Sonic, Sonic 3 on Xbox Live Arcade. Stick a brand new HD Sonic on there. Just like they did with Prince of Persia. Yeah. That's, that's what Xbox Live Arcade should be I like. I think so, yeah. all of the old classics. I think so. Can I, make my, can I make my analogy that I made about uh, the old Mega Drive Ultimate Collection? Go on, the other day, Which I may have stolen from someone. Um, but I don't know. If I did, all credit to them because I think it's a great gag. And I was amusing myself greatly by chuckling about it. Basically, for me, playing those old Mega Drive games is like having a tug over a like, Victorian porn. Oh no, not this one. It's like... I heard you going on about this. You wheel this out every week. Through the corner of my ear yeah. the other day. Yeah, it's like... Look, that might have been some hot shit at the time. <laughs> that might have been some hot, like, nasty stuff at the time. But porn's moved on. You know, we've, we've, got, we've got better porn now. Like, there's, there's all kinds of stuff. <laughs> like, oh God, thank, thank goodness you didn't, you didn't expand on that. <laughs> yeah, I can't, unfortunately, I can't go into the lengthy diatribe I went into in the office describing what modern <laughs> porn is like. But look, there, there's, there's some stuff in, in modern smut, which, you know, it went, it went in, in the, it wasn't in the picture of the Victorian chick in, the, you know, the buttress with her booby hanging out. That's what those Mega Drive games are. I don't want to play that crap anymore. Games have moved on. And look, I like, there's plenty of old games like Mario World, still a classic. And your tongue's blue, by the way. Your tongue's been turned blue. That's a good sweep. And that you only sucked it for like, I don't know, two, three minutes as well. I know, and it's still blue. Yeah. It's, um, I don't know, like, I like Mario World is still a design classic. I've told Matt Pellet it's the best game ever made. He disagrees, he's a fool. Best game ever made. These are games, there are a few back from back then, which are great. But let's be honest, Streets of Rage. Streets of oh, Rage. don't. Don't badmouth Streets of Rage. What? It's Rice Star. Dog shine. Rice Star's good. I take it Tim hasn't edited my review yet. It's going to change All I'm completely. saying, <laughs> things have moved on. Like if I want to shoot aliens now, I can do it far better than I used to. So yeah, that's that pretty much, isn't it? Uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for listening. Um, we, if you've got any questions, then go on the, uh, go on the website and, uh, and go to the forums and post them on there or email us at xbw at futurenet.co.uk and we'll endeavour to answer them in the next podcast. Uh, do check out our website. We uh, are updated more, uh, more, regularly, well. yeah, more regularly on our blog and, uh, and we're also on Twitter, uh, which is twitter.com forward slash xboxworld360 where you'll be able to find out in humorous dispatches what goes on in the office during the day. That's <laughs> if you click on the Endgamer link to their Twitter. Why? Oh, because they're, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> and that's it, really. Uh, thanks for listening, and we'll, uh, we'll see you soon. See bye, bye. <laughs>